0: It is 934, and joining me now, our good friend Barb Lampson, who has been home for a little bit from Georgia now. How are you doing, Barb?
1: Hey, Karen. I am home, and it's good to be home. It's good to be in my own garden, and you know what was amazing was this weather the past week. We had those nice, warm, sunny days and a little bit more rain, and now... There's been a transformation in my yard. I don't have all black soil. I have little green plants coming up. I've spring balms starting to bloom. It's it's just such a wonderful thing to see every spring.
0: Well, I've got the uh, went out to the lake house by Lake Washington and I've got yellow crocus and purple crocus and white crocus (coughs) that are up and I've got um, here in Mankato my daffodils are up and they're getting some of them are actually getting ready to open and my hyacinths are popping their little heads up not open yet but it's just really exciting to see things are revitalized and you know in the past I've always had the deer eat them off before a lot of them will bloom but Barb this year (coughs) I got an early start and I'm hoping it'll it'll be good I, I did um Read some research that says if you can keep them out early, sometimes it will deter them, um, you know, so they don't get in the habit of coming. So early on, Jeff, my husband started spraying some deer repel stuff on there, on the the, the um, tulips as they were coming up. And I have been putting malorganite I did put malorganite around them, and that is, I don't know if you know what that is, Barb, do you know what it is? Yes,
1: yes, it's the, the poop from... <laughs> from people in
0: Milwaukee. That's right, but it's it's processed in a way. I would not put it on my vegetables or things that I eat, but ornamentals is good, and deer are repelled by that smell as well, So I, <coughs> but it also provides a great uh, fertilizer for the plant, so I've been putting that around my hostas, I've put it around my bulbs and things, and I have not, to this point, have any deer problems, so I'm hoping maybe getting an early start on that will help prevent... Uh, you know the whole season being wrecked because of the deer so you know i'm doing trying doing what i can
1: yeah well congratulations on that because that is a battle worth winning because we love that early spring color and the crocus even though they are small they are short they have a nice bloom If you buy bulbs that are bigger in size Rather than the really small ones Mm -hmm. You do get a bigger bloom on them And they are extremely showy I have, uh, I think I have the battle one With rabbits in my backyard That we, uh, the fence um, is keeping them out But those darn squirrels (laughs) They're still after bulbs Yes Uh, They, you know how many years do they, you know, they just keep coming back. Now, one of the things I have tried is I have sedum, which is a ground cover. I have mixed the crocus in with the sedum, thinking that's going to keep the squirrels away from those bulbs. So we'll see. I have okay. a few of them. I have a few of them coming up like that. But, um, yeah, if you're a gardener, you know, if you gain so that... Uh, you're eliminating most of them, that's really, that's very rewarding.
0: Well, I am actually having someone build a fence out uh, by the lake house <laughs> because we are, I have a garden, it's mainly for, I have raised beds for vegetables and I've got flowers, but we are converting that into Grant's Lily Garden since my son is interested in, in breeding Asiatic lilies. So we figured, you know, we've had two years of kind of failure. The first year, none of the seeds sprouted. And and the next year, the deer chomped them off when they were just starting to to grow nice. And so this year, he has started uh, several hundred seeds of lily crosses that he worked with some folks that are lily breeders from the North Star Lily Society. And we're going to put those out there. And I also have for the raised bed what's a little it's called a drip irrigation system where you put it in oh, yes. and, and so that <laughs> way you, you know that you can turn the hose on mm-hmm. and it just has little bits of water that go sure. um, and soak in the soil so it's not just running and, and um, so right. we're going to try that and hopefully have a successful year with the lilies for this this year.
1: Well congratulations to Grant on that and that he's so interested at such a young age and i predict that we're going to be buying bulbs someday <laughs> that were hybridized by him and we'll say i remember him when he first started this you know i hope so yeah the whole process of doing something like that is such a great learning experience for kids because you you learn that you have to postpone gratification. You have to just take it one step at a time. And with uh, any kind of developing something new like that, it's going to, before you get to see a bloom or see what the color is going to be, it's going to take a few years. So it's, it's a good lesson for anybody to learn, to be able to do. It teaches patience And this whole idea of watching and observing and trial and error gosh, that's good for your life uh, ahead of you.
0: Well, let's talk a little about seed planting. I know uh, Shelly here at the station has been wanting to plant seeds. So she asked me about what she should do to plant seeds. You know, if you've never done it before, boy, it's good to, to get some advice from others. Because when I started, I made so many mistakes. Back on the farm, we would take soil from, you know, just from the backyard or guard. Well, sure. we had a lot of land. And so then they would always damp off because a lot of the just the yeah. backyard dirt has like a fungus in them. So then my mom read we were supposed to put it in the oven and heat it so it would Kill all the organisms, so she would put the soil in the the oven and put it on low, and and then it usually ended up it was kind of hard and dry. And but so I recommend the best thing you can do is to buy seed starting soil, and it's really not soil. It's got things like perlite and and <laughs> other things in it like peat, and it, it's really light and really well draining. So when you start seeds, that's I think one of the most important things to start it is to get that that seed-starting soil, because the other stuff is just too heavy or carries uh, bacteria or things that sure, might cause sure. disease.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Karen. You know, you've got sphagnum in there, you've got perlite in there. It's very lightweight, and that's, that's what they need to germinate. And, you know, um, uh, another thing is then having a rubberized heating mat.
0: Oh, yes, important. That
1: soil temperature needs to stay warm for them to germinate. And that is such an inexpensive thing to buy, and you can use it in so many other ways. As a matter of fact, I'm baking bread today, and I bring out my rubberized seed mat and plug it in, (laughs) and I set my bread on top of that, the pan on top of that, and it just it warms it up. You don't have to have your house that warm as long as you have this ability in this small area to to produce this heat and so the bread will raise up in about half the time it's just it's absolutely great it's a great way to do things so I'd-
0: I think the other most important thing, addition to the heat, is light because I have some that actually sprouted before I had a chance to get a light over them, and they were reaching for the light in the window, and they are so leggy that they're not going to be worth anything. So you need to have some type of special, a plant light or a fluorescent light that you know shop light even that sure. you put over top, and it's like within two inches of the seeds, so that way they'll have a chance to develop. Otherwise, they just reach and reach. Even if you've got a bright window, it's usually not enough light. So, I mean, there is a little investment up front, but with uh, getting the results that are so much better, otherwise you might as well just not waste your time, I say.
1: Sure, sure. Start, start small. You know, I had a phone call this week from a lady who a friend gave her, and she called these um, moonflowers. Well, oh, sure. what it is is datura. And you're probably familiar with that plant. It bec- can become big and bushy. And when we had this first nice day, she planted them, and she wondered how they'd be doing. Well, she planted them outside. Oh, no. And, go ahead.
0: She she planted them outside now?
1: Yep, yep, Oops. she did. <clears throat> the soil is only 43 degrees, which is cold. Yeah. And But you know what, that detour, I had... I probably planted that 25 years ago in my yard, and I still have plants that come up, and I keep weeding them out. So it's, it's pretty pretty darn hardy.
0: Well, now, is, and, it, it's not, is that a perennial, though?
1: Uh, no, it's an annual that acts like a perennial because it's seeds, it seeds. Right. Yeah, and oh, okay. it, the seeds are in that hard ball, uh-huh. and then you break them apart, and then it, there's seeds in there. And where it's reseeding the most is on the south side of my house, right next to the foundation. Okay. So, so that seed is there. The thing I told her though is that Turr is a very poisonous plant. It's not safe for children or pets you know, because of these seeds. And also, when you break the stem, you'll see that it has a white sap in it, and that can cause itching. You can break out from that if you're sensitive. So that's just something to think about. Uh, when someone gives you something, you know, there's uh, it may be beautiful. It only blooms at night. Late, late in, the, in the early evening, it starts blooming. So that's when you would enjoy it
0: most. Well- some people talk about what's called the moon garden and those are perfect plants for the moon garden and basically that's (laughs) something at night well like those that bloom at night or flowers or that they have white flowers so that way they kind of luminesce in Mm -hmm, the the mm -hmm. dark which I I don't usually spend that much time out in my garden at dark because there's too many mosquitoes but I mean that that is a thing where there are actually lists of things you can plant for you uh, literally calling it a moon garden
1: sure but if you've never experimented with something like this and you've seen it growing you're probably Going to think well. I might as well try that, and you know, go for it. It it's a uh, plant. It takes a lot of space. It just branches out. It comes up upright, and then it starts getting horizontal branches on it. It's it's a big it's a big plant. As a matter of fact, anything can become a big plant. I have remember when I gave you that slip of the orchid cactus, and it had these long uh, uh, fronds on it. They're, oh yes, it's very oh. big now. <laughs> it is very big now. Okay. So can you imagine, mine is probably 20 years old, and in the wintertime, I bring it in, I put it under lights in the basement, and I carried it upstairs yesterday to put it in my greenhouse. It was so heavy, I could hardly carry it or manage it because it was wide. And I just decided, okay, this thing has to be pruned and repotted. And so never having, you know, really pruned a cactus, I wasn't sure. But here's what I did. I just followed the same principles for pruning a shrub. You know, take anything that's diseased or dying, take those uh, branches or take uh, those uh, areas that are crossing one another, take those out, and then because it's so thick coming out of the center, I cut some of those out of the center. I had a five-gallon bucket standing beside me out in my greenhouse, you know, I had a lot of stuff in there. And when I got to the center of that cactus, the branches, well, the old ones that weren't growing anymore, that were dead in there, were just like wood. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, my, did, mine are getting like that too, and so I don't know really what to do with the, the woody ones.
1: Yeah, so I cut them out. Well, you I'm going to repot it. I'm going to fertilize it and give it another chance. And I took some of the ends that were very healthy and um i took some soil uh potting soil and wet it down and i shoved them in there and i hope they'll root well and, i put
0: i take when i some of mine fall off i take and i put them in water and they root really well in the water bar
1: okay well i thought you know that that might be too much too much invite decay but so we'll try this and we'll see how that goes but it's in the greenhouse, and I mean, in the daytime when there's sunshine, it gets really warm, it gets cooler at night, but unless we're having, you know, a hard frost, then I'd go out and cover it besides, but uh, so... So you have to take a look at everything. You know, maybe your house plants are becoming unmanageable and, and you need <laughs> and they to do are. Some, some trimming of, on them.
0: Yeah, some of them are, Barb. But do you know, you mentioned that that one you were just talking about, the, the cactus. Uh, mine is blooming now, just started another beautiful orchid cactus <laughs> bloom. And it, it does several times a year. And so right yes. now there's just one starting and just they're just beautiful. They don't last very long, but no, they're just no. fantastic. They look like we're, fireworks popping off the end of the plant.
1: You know, that's, why we grow that plant and it seems like when nothing else is blooming that will start shooting out some buds so it should be responding to the uh cooler night temperatures and the shorter days but i'm telling you that plant has a mind of its own it does its own thing when it wants to do it well worth doing it It doesn't have any any other problems except it grows so so prolifically and those when the new branch comes, I mean, those are, they could easily be 18 inches long, and they get side shoots coming up that go from there. So it can be a really, really big thing. But um, also what I've been doing is uh, I've started to uh, fertilize all the houseplants with a very, very light fertilizer using half-strength, you know, the clivia, the um, uh, primrose, the everything that i've got in here the the foliage plants the jade those things and now that the days are longer we're getting more light more sunlight and so that gives it a little boost and then i also take actually i use a chopstick for this and i go through and i kind of poke holes all the way around the plant in the soil and to aerate it Mm so i'm i'm doing what it would happen in nature, you know, with the freezing and thawing of soil. You know, it breaks up more. Well, in the house, it doesn't. So, so I'm aerating soil with a chopstick, and and that works really well too.
0: And I have also started uh, fertilizing with a very weak, uh, a uh, liquid solution that I'm watering my plants with. You know. It, I just do it very, very. I don't know, maybe about a fourth of the strength, and then I use do it do it each time. I know some say that only do it once a week or something, but with, in my case, I, it's so diluted. I think well, that'll that'll hopefully be okay for my plants. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I think that's good too, and it's also important to use um, warm water or room temperature water when you're watering yes. your plants. You know, give them the best chance. And if they have dust on them, be sure and spray them. You know, clean them up so that they can absorb absorb all the sunshine and, and do their photosynthesis thing. So it, there's things to be done in the house. There's things to be done outside. I still have things in my garden, the perennials, like the Siberian iris. I always leave the tops on them in the winter, yes. and they have flopped over. But what's kind of good about them is by flopping over onto smaller things, they actually provide a mulch for that. So if we're done with the really cold weather, then I'm going to cut those off, trim them to the to the ground.
0: But I do want to say when you do take, because I've taken some of the the coverings off some some things. Uh, mm-hmm. um, they say don't just throw it away. Um, Put it to the side of the yard because there are a lot of pollinators that have little, little maybe uh, larvae or things that that have uh, lived in there, or or things that can um, the eggs that can hatch that are really important. So if you just toss it away and put it in a bag or something, leave it on the edge of the property. So some of those things like ladybugs can can hatch because they are a lot of things in the hollow the hollowed out uh, stems of things. So that's what I did um, when I took down some of my oh, my stems of some of my flowers and things, um, just set them on the edge of the yard because I want to keep those pollinators and, you know, not just throw it so they sure, can't hatch.
1: Sure. That's a great reminder, Karen. You know, the pollinators are with us and we need to do every single thing that we can for them. Also, it seems like there's a lot of birds that are visiting our oh my, yes. feeders and, and they're hungry too and they need water as well as food. So, so keep them in mind. Well, I did do one thing that I planted from seeds outside. Um, uh, you know, I have these uh, winter uh, little storm shelters that I, uh, it's called a cold frame, and I probably talked about this before, and I can't emphasize how handy that is. It's a raised bed with a lid on it, and the lid is made with an old window so the the sun can shine in and get to the bottom of where your seeds and things are. Now, last fall, I planted some iris in there, As I, and I, I believe two of them are yours because you didn't get to my place to pick up your iris. <laughs> okay. So, so there, yeah, I want to tell you, your iris are doing just fine, oh, <laughs> and we might want to leave them there until they bloom so you can see what color they are, but they are the smaller ones, and we got those from uh, Diane Selly. And remember, I've got two for you and two for me, yep. and so I put them in there. They look like they're just doing fine in there. I also planted in that cold frame some uh, tulips, just a few, to try and see how that would be. And they came up just fine. The only thing is now I have to prop that glass frame door that I have because they're getting taller.
0: Oh, oh, sure. You know,
1: so right. so the, But what I did was I propped it, and I got a piece of I call it um, uh, metal cloth. It's it's that green fencing, you know, that has. And and I bent that and put that in there so that no squirrel would decided that (laughs) that would be a nice place for him to go. A little buffet for him to go in there and start eating and digging and carrying on. And then I planted. I still had plenty of space in there. I planted. Ruby, red, bell, radishes.
0: Okay, sure. Radishes don't mind cold. I've put some peas under what, your, yours is a cold frame. Mine are little cloches, basically made out of milk containers with the bottoms cut off and they have the little top on so it protects them and the sun gets to warm them up a little. So I've, I've got actually peas in my, my raised beds now too.
1: I, I, think, I think that's great. You know, the thing about radishes is um, 22 days. From yes. the, yeah, 22 days for them from the time that they germinate until you've got something that you can eat. And uh, I thought, oh, gosh, this is a great idea. But here's the thing. Um, I have to consider that maybe it's not going to get as much rain because of the tilt that I've got yes. to that cover. And so I've been out and I've watered them, and I'm eagerly watching. But this would be just absolutely the perfect soil because it is very lightweight. It, it's a lot of compost that came from my compost pile plus the regular soil. And it's a good mix, and I've got mulch on them. So hopefully if I keep them watered, I'm going to have radishes. So, you know, stay stay tuned here. We'll see.
0: Barb, do you <laughs> know what I planted this week? You probably say, what in the world? I planted... Uh,
1: nothing would surprise me, Karen. <laughs> <Okay>. Absolutely
0: nothing. <laughs> I planted a, a dwarf carmine cherry um, shrub out in the yard. I got it bare root, so it doesn't have you know any leaves or anything thing on it. And my my area out by the lake is is raised, so the soil is completely thawed out. But since it's it's bare root and there's nothing on it, it's going to c- kind of acclimate in there. And so hopefully um, within a few weeks it'll start to to break bud and and I'll be able to have some you know nice
1: nice cherry bush out there. Oh, that's great. Now, is this something that has cherries that you can
0: eat? Yes. They say they're among the best ones in terms of taste, uh, but the tree doesn't get bigger than five to eight feet, which I kind of wanted. I'm putting it in my area where I've got flowers and things because it'll get pretty Mm -hmm. white blossoms on. Mm -hmm. But it's more of a shrub, so you can uh, pick the the berries off. But it's called the Carmine Dwarf Cherry, and and it says it has among the best-tasting cherries. So I'm looking forward to trying it out. Well, I
1: I hope you get a lot of cherries, and hey, you know what? You should invest in a cherry seed uh, picker so that after you pick your cherries, you don't have to just cut them apart to get the seed out you can just jab this thing in there and it pulls them out
0: well you know i don't think it'll have that many it says it takes five years before it can make up to 30 pounds so that's going to be a while but it's also self-pollinating and that's one thing you got to be careful if you get a a fruit bush or or tree or something if it needs another pollinator that means you'd have to have two (coughs) well this is what's called self-pollinating so i only need one and that's all i had space for so that works out
1: you know the the cherry bushes that I have here, I have to have a fence around them all winter long because Giff <laughs> just loves them rabbits. Oh yeah, they they love that bark. So don't forget in the fall to you know really protect that well and go all the way up to the uh, to the top of the bush because as the snow comes in, the rabbits will get in there and they'll start from the top top down. Oh yeah, it's it, that's you know when you have something like that, you don't want it. To chewed up the first year that it's the first winter that it's here <clears throat> so i i love the cherries that i've got it's uh, a contest between me and the chipmunks <laughs> the, the chipmunks go up the tree they do not they sit up there and they they take off the outside part the fruit part that i want and they eat the seeds now can you imagine that Yes, the just the seeds, I can imagine
0: at. that because critters are are just rampant I mean that's the thing you live with nature and you you realize because I was saying to Jeff I says you know what I'm so excited for the the gardening year but then I think last year at at one point I said I'm not gonna do this again because the Japanese beetles had decimated some of my stuff and I remember thinking I'm not gonna do this again because I'm not going to go through this and of course I've you know that's back in my mind and I'm like I'm gonna do this so yeah yeah,
1: yeah right. <laughs> hope Springs turtle. It does. Hey, I got a note from uh, Minneapolis Park, from Steve uh, Koudelka. He's the naturalist out there, Mm -hmm. and he said, and now is a good time if you think you've got onion garlic on your land, it is the first thing to come up. And that's the bad thing, right? Yeah, Onion
0: garlic is invasive, isn't it?
1: It's extremely invasive, right. Now, last year when we uh, uh, got rid of it on or weeded out on Glenwood Avenue. There, we took it out when uh, it was in, uh, when it had flowered and when it had seeds on, or before it had seeds on it, because it was easy to identify. Then it becomes a really big plant, but now it's a very small plant covering the uh, the soil. He said, you know, against the black soil, it's very, very easy. So if you if you think you might have that, go on your computer and take a look at the leaves. It's, it's, it's not hard. Once you see it, you'll know what it is. And then take a hoe and rip those out. He also said that um, they have, blooming right now, they have some past flowers. That's very early, I think. Really? Cause that, that's mm-hmm. a flower that you usually see out in the prairie. They do come up early because they have to... Get um, the energy to make uh, um, all the carbs that they need to survive, and they have to do that before the grasses start growing. So, but but he said there are some there. If you come out there, he said, please respect the park and stay on paths. Don't go tromping around looking for things. So so that's good advice because uh, we love nature and we love the things that that all these things and our natural flowers and that, but, but stay on the paths. If everybody goes out and wanders into beds and, and that, pretty soon there won't be anything there.
0: Absolutely. Well, we are out of time, Barb, but I know you are excited to uh, get busy. I know that it's going to be not the day today, but maybe coming up it sounds like things are going to get better and can yeah. do more and more Uh, with our gardening things.
1: Well, it's a great day, Karen, to be baking. And baking bread is a wonderful (laughs) thing to do, too.
0: And you use that little seed, mat and make that bread dough rise.
1: I will. Thanks, Karen. Thanks,
0: Barb. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. All right, that is our good friend Barb Lampson we talk to every, well, Friday at this time about gardening. And it is one minute past ten, and you're listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM.